listening to a message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to know more about Red or its ministries, please go to redchurch.org.au. My name's Ryan. I'm the AM service pastor. (laughs) So what are we doing today? I think Bjorn said in announcements, uh, the church calendar really runs February to February. That's kind of just how uh, church life's the church cycle, the church year runs. Um, January is usually a bit uh, quieter for pastors, and we did that summer series where it was a bit more laid back, and we just um, we had a few different uh, people preaching. We weren't in a formal series; we just just had a bit of a laid back summer. And this is really the kickoff. So this is uh, um, we when we um, worked out the the calendar and when are we going to launch the service? When are we going to do the kids' church launch? When are we going to um, um, launched the series for the year. Um, today was the day that we, we selected as a, as a preaching team. So it means that today um, is all about casting vision for what 2019 looks like. So no pressure, two minutes into the job, and I've got to uh, tell you about what I think God's vision is for this service for the year. No pressure. Well, we've actually been talking about this for some time, so this isn't... Um, this isn't uh, oh surprise. We've got we, we've just wound up here. We've actually been um, planning this as a team. I think it was in August, mid August ish, September. I'm not good with details, as Bjorn said. So it was about then that Bjorn sat down with me and said, "Hey, I'm I'm thinking next year you should take over as AM pastor." And I was a, a little bit shocked by that. Um, but I've I've uh, I've stumbled here by God's grace, and I'm ready and willing. Um, so I started planning for this, for this Vision Sunday. I probably started planning for this Vision Sunday, thinking about it latently in my mind for, for a good um, four or five weeks, you know, since through, through just before that Christmas period and over that Christmas period. And one thing I did, one thing I thought that would be useful would be to grab my old notes. So I, I got out an old journal and I started to, to flick through um, my, my notes. I've done a two-year apprenticeship, a Rams apprenticeship. We've got some Rams starting soon. Um, and I just, I just started flicking through those notes, um, and I just had this few pages that just said vision <laughs> in it, and I'd never shared these thoughts, these were quiet time thoughts, and I was like, oh, I'm pretty clear that God's drawing me to that, um, to share with you guys today. So, um, as I flicked through those notes, I found this one particular day, this was about a week ago now, I, I stumbled, I, I found this note, and it was one particular day, it was almost exactly a year ago, um, and it was some notes from my quiet time. It was actually just um, one weekday morning, and I'd, I'd read from um, Habakkuk. Um, and I'd, I'd read these notes, and ha- I don't know if you know the book of Habakkuk. It's a really small, small book in the Bible. He's one of the minor prophets. Um, he's, he's only mentioned a couple of times uh, by name in the Bible, so it's a very, you can almost, if you blink as you're flicking through, you'll miss it. Um, but Habakkuk's story is not actually dissimilar to our own. Habakkuk was, in, in, in this book, it's him crying out to God. It's him crying out to God because he's living in a time where um, the Israelites are seemingly, in, God's people are seemingly in decline. There's, um, they're being pressed in. There's, there's the Assyrians, the Babylonians that are pressing, pressing in. And he's, he's crying out to God and saying, God, what, why is there this injustice? Why are we surrounded? God, please come, God. And I just, as I was thinking about that, I was thinking, that's not dissimilar to, to how we can often feel, right? 
We're, we're in a time where seemingly in the workplace, in the, in the leisure place, um, you're like, it's as if you, if you mention you're a Christian now, it's like you've mentioned you're a leprechaun. They're like, oh, you're one of those people. I didn't know they still existed. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard that. Um, and as I was reading this book in my quiet time, um, I made these notes. So I actually was, got stuck on this one verse that I'm going to share with you today. It's from, um, there you go, it's from Habakkuk 1.11. And it just says this, Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty people whose own strength is their God. Guilty people whose own strength is their God. As I read this again, I'd written out that verse in my quiet time. As I read it again, this, this is the words that I'd written that I felt God was saying to me. This was and can still be you, Ryan. Why is it I find it easier to rely on myself than God? Why is it that I find it easier to rely on myself than on God? I was hit by that a year ago. As I read more around this Habakkuk, as I was uh, preparing for today, I, I picked up a commentary. It's always good practice to read a bit around what, what, was, what is this Word of God meaning for us right now. Some historians, um, some biblical scholars um, think that it's for people outside of the church, but a good majority actually think that Habakkuk is speaking to the people inside the church. He's speaking to the people of God. Habakkuk is... Um, uh, grappling with this unjust uh, circumstance, this, um, this almost uh, disregard for the law of God that's happening inside the walls of Jerusalem, inside the people of God. And what I realised was, a year ago, that I was probably relying on my own strength. I was relying on my own strength before God. So I wanted to start by asking why. Why was I doing that? Why, uh, and you might relate to this in situations in the, um, when, the, when, it's, uh, when situations can be trying, we can rely on our own strength. When, we're, when situations go really well for us, we can say, oh, that was me. That was me by my own strength. So why, is this, why is this, can this be our default? Why can this be our go-to? Um, and I actually think that a lot of the reason that this can be our default is because of the prevailing culture of the world. So I just wanted to start by calling that out today. So this is what I reckon is the prevailing cultural myth of our time, that we're sold through advertising, through our colleagues in the workplace, through all, all uh, medians in our world. It basically says self-reliance will equal a successful life and reliance on the tangible will lead to sustainment. We see this all over the world. Okay, so you think of where the word pride is now used. Okay, you, you, he's a proud man. They're a proud person. You know, that, that sense that um, they, they're um, proud of themselves is seen as a good thing. And the reliance on the tangible, it's actually really easy to trust in the bungee cord as you jump, you know. That's a tangible thing that we can, we can trust in. Like, that's just the way of the world. So then what we do as Christians is we come into this context and we, that we, we have that worldview in our surroundings, in our families, in our workplaces, and then we try and reject it. We say, okay, I'm not going to live that way. 
I'm going to live, live the Christian way. And we come up with this idea, the Christian way is, instead of self-reliance, we go to self-sacrifice, because that will lead to a su- successful life. And instead of reliance on the tangible, we go to reliance on the things of God, because that will give me sustainment. And that's what we think is the Christian way. But it isn't. It's actually just the same thing. See, if you're going to rely on self-sacrifice, that's you doing it. If you're going to rely on self-sacrifice, that is just you doing it. That is you relying on yourself to get there for God, to lead that successful life. And if you're going to rely on the things of God, if I'm going to rely on God in the relationships around me, if I'm going to rely on the God that Bjorn knows or the God that Mark knows, then I'm not relying on God. I'm just relying on the things of God. The things of God can be great for you. They can encourage you. Someone else's faith can spur you on. But if we don't radically go after God ourselves, if we use that as our absolute, we're not going to find sustainment. So what do we go for in place of that? What do we go for in place of this this Christian veneer, this myth? Well, the truth is this. Abiding with God leads to a flourishing life. If you abide with God, it will lead to a flourishing life. That's just the way. That is it. If you abide with God, it will lead to a flourishing life. God is not saying, abandon your way so that I can. That is not what he's saying. God is saying, come my way and I will. Come with me and I will lead you into this flourishing life. Come with me. Jesus' words in John 14, I am the way, the truth and the life. And I want to question at the start of this, do we really believe this? Do we really believe it? Do we really believe that if we press into God, we will lead this flourishing life? Or do we believe a lie? Do we believe this lie that the world can sustain us and the things, the trappings of this world the things this world has to offer is what will lead to a successful life. They're the, they're the two choices. So why is it, if this is the truth, why is it so often, even as a Christian, I'll go into self-reliance, I'll go into self-reliance mode where I'll go to Ryan's strengths, I'll go to um, my abilities, I'll go to my, um, my confidence, I'll go to my relational ability, I'll go to my ability to get up and speak. Why do I go to that instead of God? I've been thinking about that a bit um, this week and I've realised that there's really three main reasons why we as humans will go to, why we'll go to self-reliance instead of God-reliance. Self-reliance instead of God-reliance. So these are my three reasons. If you're a note-taker, these are the three that you should be writing down. So the first is this. 
The first type of person we consciously believe that self-reliance will be better for us. That's the first type of person. The first type of person, I was this type of person. I came to faith nine years ago, which means nine and a half years ago. I actively believed that I could lead a flourishing life because of what I did. That was just my worldview. I did not have a faith. I went after experience. I thought I had to ride every mountain or um, have every um, round-the-world holiday trip. I had to get the success from career. And actually, if I strive for it, the world could offer me a flourishing life. So I consciously believed in my own self-reliance and I put myself as king. So that, that is a worldview that some people in this room might share today. The second group of, per, group of people are people that subconsciously believe that self-reliance is better for us. So this is um, exactly the same as the first, but it's just in the background. It's just latently in the back of your mind. Um, sometimes it festers up and you know it and you might try and park it to the back of your brain. No, no, I don't really believe that. But it informs the way we live our lives. People that subconsciously believe that self-reliance is better for us. And then the third group is this. We fear that choosing God will lead to cost and not flourishing. So this is different to the first two. The first two have um, subscribed to the lie of the world, that self-reliance will lead to a good life. They're the first two groups of people. The third have rejected that, but there's still this doubt, this fear. If I fully choose God, if I fully embrace God with my life, there's going to be a lot of cost. There's going to be a lot of sacrifice might not lead to my flourishing. They're the three groups of people. As I started saying, I see myself, I've actually journeyed through, I reckon, all of these schools of thought in my life. I said earlier, nine years ago, I consciously believed that self-reliance was going to be better for me. That was, I was my own king. I could, I believed in the kingdom of Ryan Wallace and this is how I'm going to live a good life. That was just my worldview. And nine years ago, I got to the, a point where I'd pretty much tried everything. I'd partied real hard, I'd done sporting events, I'd finished marathons, and I, you get to, I'll tell you, if you've ever, anyone ever run a marathon in here? It's probably quite a few of you, you no? No one wants to be brave enough to put their hand up? You, you get to the end of a marathon, you go, what did that solve? <laughs> Not very much. <laughs> There's no holy grail at the end of a sporting event. There's no holy grail at the end of a relationship. Self-reliance does not lead to the good life. And nine years ago, when I walked into a church service, hadn't been to church, um, had a kind of understanding coming from England, a latent cultural Christianity. Um, and I just, I remember being in this church service and realising that I needed to accept Jesus into my life. And it wasn't, it wasn't me fighting for it, it was me just opening. It just felt like I opened the doors of my heart and I just accepted Christ into my life. And the freedom from that bondage, the freedom from stepping out of that lie that I needed to do it for myself was just liberating. It was just joyful. 
to step out of this lie that I had to rely on myself and step into this freedom of Christ. Fast forward five years, and I'm, uh, I'm living in Perth. My, uh, my wife and I, we got married and moved to Perth, and really I was in that second camp. I now was walking with Jesus. I proclaimed Jesus as my Lord. I was going to church. I was doing all the right things. I was uh, turning up every week. I was part of a, a, a small group. I'd even led some small groups. Um, but really, deep in my subconscious was this belief that the good life, really, I needed to make it happen for myself. I was in control of that. Yeah, I love you, Lord, but I'm, I'm going to control this. I'm going to keep this under control. And what happened in Perth is God really went after that. I, I found myself in conversations. I found myself um, in heaps of different church services where God just kept speaking, just kept speaking, kept speaking. It was pretty funny because... Um, I was, as I was preparing, I was talking to Joe, my wife, about this, um, and I, I said that um, you had a lot of patience for those two years while we are in Perth, because God was really going after this, and I, I'm slow to catch on. Um, Joey was right there at the front and was like, when's he going to get it? I said, oh, Joe, you had so much patience. She said, not really, I just prayed a lot. <laughs> I just prayed a lot. It was frustrating. I distinctly remember a day being on a beach in Perth and looking out into the ocean and I felt like I wanted to just swim off. That's how I felt. And I, I just was, um, you know, just this, this vision of, uh, this picture in my mind came forward of just Jonah and the whale. And I'm like, I feel like if I try and run any further, God's going to radically pull me back. And I just had to submit. I had to go, well, God, okay, I'm going to choose your way not mine. And there was a conscious, as that subconscious thought that was latently in the back of the mind that was defining the course of my life, as it became more, the reality of that came forward in my mind, I, I had to again reject my way so I could follow God's way. I had to reject my way so I could follow God's way. There may be people in this room who are believing this lie subconsciously, the self-reliance will lead to the good life. And then the third group, this fear that fully choosing God will lead to cost and not flourishing. I reckon I was there till about a year ago. I reckon me reading um, Habakkuk in my quiet time and this revelation from God, that actually a bit of me, a defining part of me, was scared to follow God because I believed that that would mean cost, not flourishing. And God radically went after that. I was speaking to um, Bjorn, Mark, Sarah, before I went back to work at the start of 2018, and I was in turmoil. Um, I didn't know whether I was meant... I, I'd taken a, a year off to study and do RAMS. Um, I was blessed with a, a, a long service leave, so I'd used that for the year, so we were okay financially, and then I was, I was at this point where, well, what do I do? Do I go back to work? Or do I go, what, what do I do? And I feared that the work that God had been doing in me might not continue if I step back into work. I feared that... I, I was trying to make it happen myself. I was trying to create a way for me to do it rather than rely on God doing it. Everyone around me um, was saying, 
I think God's provided a job, Ryan. They're offering you four days a week. You can still do rams while you're doing it. But I was actually paralyzed by fear, I think. I think I I feared stepping back into work, which is where God wanted me to go. But I feared stepping back in because I knew that it was going to be tough. I saw cost and I was worried about the cost as opposed to seeing that that was God's way and embraced the flourishing. And again, I got to a moment where I had to choose. I had to choose, am I going to make this happen myself? Am I going to follow Ryan's way? Am I going to rely on myself? Or am I going to submit? And Am I going to follow God's way? And am I going to choose God? Who am I going to focus on? Am I going to focus on me? Or am I going to focus on God? And I focused on God. I stepped into it again. And there has been blessing. I've experienced phenomenal conversations in the workplace. I've experienced just joy. I've experienced... Um, communing with God whilst in this hectic environment of work, church work and work work, which is just work. So I feel like I've travelled through each of these mindsets. And as I unpacked this and as I thought about this, I I thought that I've had heaps of conversations with many people in this room and others outside of this room, where they'll pose a question, yeah, but how do I, how do I follow? Yeah, but how do I follow? And it, it might not always be that direct. There may be, it may be a, the question behind the question, but the big question is, yeah, okay, I get it, but what do I do? How do I follow? How do I get the, the, the life of flourishing that God wants me to lead? Maybe you've had that thought in your own mind. How do you submit and follow How do you experience God's flourishing in your world? So I've made a little slide pack. So if you're posing this question today, if this is on your heart, how do I experience a flourishing, meaningful life? How do we go after that as humans? What I want to start by saying is this is the end point, not the start point. This is the outcome not what you do. If you want to experience a flourishing and meaningful life, there's actually a step before this that you have to go after. You've got to be directed by God. And as you're directed by God, you will experience a flourishing and meaningful life. And as you experience a flourishing and meaningful life, you'll want to be directed by God more. It's this washing machine of encouragement. But it doesn't start with you experiencing a flourishing and meaningful life. The step before that is to be directed by God. And actually, if we go after being directed by God, we actually miss it. Because there's a step before that. And the step before being directed by God is actually finding alignment with God. If we can find alignment with God, if we're walking in step with God's way for our lives then we'll start to be directed by God. Then we'll start to experience a flourishing and meaningful life. And that will encourage us to be directed by God and to find alignment with God. But there's one more step before that. And that is just focusing on God. If we focus on God, we'll find alignment with God. We'll be directed by God. And then we will experience a flourishing and meaningful life. It's really interesting because the only thing you actually have the power to do 
is focus on God. If you go searching for alignment, that's something that God gives you. If you go searching for direction, that's something that God gives you. If you go searching for the flourishing and meaningful life, that's just something God gives you. You can't control any of the three. The only thing you can go after is God. If you focus your life on God, it's like a a, a water cascading down a fountain. It just flows. If we radically pursue God with our lives, if we focus our lives on who He is, then we find alignment with Him. Then we, we find direction from Him and then we experience His flourishing. So as I was preparing, I was thinking about what's, what's the vision that God wants me to share for 2019. It's actually really, really simple. I, I actually can't control what you want to do. I can't control um, what the Spirit wants to do amongst you. I can't control what's going to happen in 2019 here in the AM service. I, I just want to acknowledge I have no power of control over any of that. The only thing I can do is choose myself in my own life to focus on God. So that's my only commitment to you, really. I'm just going to try and focus on God this year. And I'm going to trust that as I focus on Him, I'm going to find alignment, I'm going to be directed, and I'm going to experience flourishing. I'm going to trust that as I focus on Him, some of you are going to be in front of me at focusing on Him, and you're going to encourage me to step forward. Some of you are going to be on the path with me and we're going to mutually encourage each other. Some of you are going to be behind me on the path and you're going to see me focusing on God and you're going to go, I'm going to pursue that too. I'm going to radically pursue that. I could give you the false humility. I could stand here and say, oh, look, this is, this is really all I can do. You know, it's all I've got. It's not. I can speak. I can get up and give a talk. I'm relational. I can connect with people. I can do all that stuff. If I focused on that for the AM service, it would probably go all right. Probably go all right for 2019. Probably would look okay. Would look look like a good church. Would have the good fonts. It'd be nice. It'd be safe. I'm just not interested in it. I'm just not interested in mediocre. I'm just not interested in static church. God is doing something amazing amongst us. So all I'm going to do is press into him. All I'm going to do is focus on God. And I'm going to trust that as we do that, God, his spirit, his word is going to speak to us. His spirit's going to commune with us. We're going to be captivated by this person of Jesus. And we're going to move forward. I believe if we do this as a church, a whole heap of stuff's going to change. I believe if we, if we focus as a church on Jesus, on God, if we radically pursue him, we're going to see people set free from stuff. We're going to see people um, where God just takes anxiety out of their hearts. We're going to see people who are relationally broken and hurt. We're going to see them healed. We're going to see um, finances go up where people just want to bless and invest in the kingdom. We're going to see prayer life go up where people... Uh, just want to bless and invest in the kingdom. We're going to see people understanding who they are and what their gifts are. Some of you are going to be pastors. Some of you are born to be evangelists and you don't know it yet. 
Some of you have a gift for prophetic, but you don't know it yet. Everyone has a part to play in the kingdom. And we're going to step into that more and more. Why? Because the promise of God is when you focus on Him, you'll find alignment with Him. And as you find alignment with Him, He's going to direct your hand. He's going to direct the course of your life. And as He does that, the promise is you will experience flourishing. That's just what's going to happen. That's pretty much all I wanted to say. I wanted to finish with posing just a few questions. I've got three questions for you. I want to ask you, what if God's already created you with all you need to dwell with Him? What if God in creating you has created you in the image of God? Which means you have the ability already in your creation to just dwell with God, to focus on God? What if God has already created in you all you need to dwell with Him? My second question, what if God's purposes here will only be accomplished to the extent that we focus on him? What if God's looking for a hungry people? What if God's spirit wants to come and dwell? But what if God will only do that to the extent that we choose to dedicate our lives, to focus our lives on him? I'm going to say that question again. What if God's purposes here will only be accomplished to the extent we focus on Him? And my final question. That's the song, not my question. It's not on there. I'll just read it out. There you go. What if God is inviting you into a life of meaning and purpose? For your flourishing? What if God's invite is come this way? Come with me. Come this way and you'll see. Come with me and I will show you a life of meaning, of purpose, and of flourishing. The band's going to come up now. And as they do, I'm just going to pray over us. I'm actually going to get us to stand as a church. You can stand now. And I'm just going to, um, I'm just going to pray over us as a community. Um, just echo these words in your heart. If you feel comfortable, you can hold your hands out and just receive these words. Lord, thank you for your promise. Thank you, Lord, for every single person in this room. Thank you for how you gather us to hear from you. Thank you for how you want to have your way. Thank you, Lord, that we can't do any of the heavy lifting, Lord. Thank you that it's all you. Thank you for your promise. Thank you for your promise that you'll be like, you are streams of living water. We just ask, Lord, that you grow in us a desperate heart to pursue you 
with all our lives. I pray over these people. I pray that 2019 will be marked as a year where they discover who you are more in their lives. I pray that over me as well, Lord. Help us discover more of who you are so we can just walk fully in step with you this year. I pray your purposes, your heart, your vision for the services accomplished in 2019. I pray that you change us, that you grow us. I pray that we'll be stood at the back end of this this year, looking back going, wow, look at what you've done, God. I want to pray for the people that have the gift of evangelism in this room. I pray that you'll um, illuminate that in their lives, Lord. Have them see it. Have them choose to step into it humbly. I pray for the people that have um, the gift of the prophetic in this room. I pray that you illuminate that in people's lives. I pray that you activate that for use in this church, Lord. I pray for people that are going to experience healing this, Lord, this year, Lord. I pray for people that are um, out of step with you, for people that are hurting, Lord. I pray for healing, Lord, in Jesus' name, in people's hearts. I just pray into everything that you want to do this year, Lord. I pray have your way over us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.